ask you, Lord Jesus, to use me just as a vessel of honor. May I decrease so that you will increase, Father. Open up our ears, open up our hearts, Father. Soften our hearts, Lord God, to hear your word, what you want to be said this morning. It's in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, here we are, last second Samuel of 2023. And I believe, honestly, that the Lord has, Lord, Lord, he's got something big. He got something big for us this morning. Why do I think that? Because here's the deal. This week, usually I, I, I do a sermon prep meeting on Wednesdays, and then I'll usually write it, you know, Thursday, Friday, sometimes Saturday. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm procrastinating, okay? But I rely, on the, I, rely on, I rely on the Holy Spirit every time I'm up here. Here's the deal. I'm going to be quite honest with you. Yesterday, I didn't get to write my message until yesterday because Thursday, Friday, I had a massive migraine headache. I, could, like, I couldn't open my eyes. I could do nothing. I was just completely out of it, and which never happens, but it's because I slept wrong on my neck, and there was like pinched my spine, and I just couldn't think, okay? And uh, so I was like, I just kept thinking through those days. I was like, man, I really got to write this message. I really got to write this message, but I just couldn't read. I couldn't do anything. It was a struggle. I'm going to be honest, but I know that because of the struggle, that the Lord was preparing something good. And so I was able to really meditate on the word through those days instead of actually sitting down and able to write it. And once I finally got to it yesterday, uh, man, the Lord showed me some awesome things. And I'm excited to share it with you this morning. Uh, so if you've got the message notes on your way in, uh, you know that the title of my message today is Wonderful Counselor. And yet, most of the time you hear Wonderful Counselor, it's just another name. Maybe it's around Christmas time, you hear Wonderful Counselor. I love Christmas, I ain't gonna lie. Noah said it's maybe one of his favorite weeks of the year was Thanksgiving. Wrong, I love Christmas. And not that he's wrong. I mean, he's got his, you know, his truth, his truth. Anyways, uh, all that to say, I love Christmas. Everybody knows it. My wife knows it. I was like trying to play Christmas music yesterday. She said, no. And we will watch a Christmas movie, though. So it was a, it was a win in my book. Anyways, uh, all that to say, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 16 today. It says, now it came about when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live live the king. What we see first and foremost in verses 15 and 16 is that Absalom, he's surprised by the presence of Hushai because he knows Hushai was a friend of his father, David. He, he, and later on, he'll go to say, he said it, we already read it here, uh, was that he said, why aren't you with your friend? Well, he knows that, you know, he's, he's, he sees him, he knows his loyalty was with David. He's like, well, kind of, why are you here? Like, what's going on here? Uh, but but how Hushai responds, we see that Hushai, he really, he should win the Oscar. Ultimately, he should win the Oscar for his impeccable performance and loyalty. Long live the king, long live the king. Maybe it, he allowed, he allowed uh, him to, to kind of um, make, the, make the suggestion that he was saying long live the king as far as Absalom. Really, he's speaking truth all along. Long live the king, long live the king. For Hushai, he's saying long live the king as in David, but uh, there he's letting them to believe that they're talking about Absalom, who's coming in to undertake his own father, to take his kingdom away. And we know that David has, has ran and he said these prayers, answered prayers all along as he's, as he's departing. But we get back here and we see Hushai finally makes it back, Absalom makes it back, and they're all kind of questioning him. But then he, 
he makes his loyalty, he makes, it, makes them believe that he is loyal to Absalom. And we also know that David had prayed and, and, and told uh, Hushai to go back, and he prayed to God. He said, he said, make Ahithophel's counsel foolish. So that's kind of where we're coming into this text today. And we're going to continue on in verse 17. Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? And this is Absalom talking to Shai, talking about his own dad. But he doesn't say that. He says, your friend. And this is because Absalom is very bitter. And this bitterness kept Absalom from calling David father. Exactly what he was. He was so bitter towards David. And all the bitterness has built up in him now. And all the pride and all the envy, all the things have built up. All his sin has now hardened his heart. And he won't even call his own father, father. He, he, he calls him friend as if, as if he doesn't even know him. And we continue on in verse 19. Besides, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so I will be in your presence. And we see his response ultimately is he's lying to conceal his motives. He's telling them, hey, I've served for your father. I'm, I will also serve for you. But also, in, the, in a way, he's not fully telling the truth. He's kind of lying because he doesn't want him to know he's there to spy and also to, to help make Ahithophel's ways, his, his, um, his counsel foolish by any regard. He, you don't want him to know that. It's like spy 101. Obviously, if you're going undercover, you don't want to tell him, hey, I'm a cop. You know, that'd be bad. So uh, anyways, also in those words by saying, I served your father, I will serve for you. That's coming off of him calling him friend, of Absalom calling David his friend instead of his father. This is a reminder for Absalom of who his father is. He's, he's kind of subtly, he, he chose his words very carefully here. I really believe this because he knows exactly what he needs to hear. Hey, this isn't he's not just my friend, he's your father. But he couldn't say it just like that. So he said, I served your father and I will also serve you. It's a reminder for Absalom of who, what he's actually doing here and who he's really trying to, to undercut and undermine in this regard. In verse 20, we continue on. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give your advice. What shall we do? And we go on into verse 21, and he basically, his advice, which is utterly stupid, uh, basically says, it's a power move, ultimately, that's what it is, but he, he's saying to go in and take all the concubines, concubines are the women in the house that, that David had left behind, he said, go in, sleep with all of them, lay with all of them, go in, be with them, that's what it's meaning, go in, sleep with them, lay with them, and uh, that's just like, it's very bad. Immorally terrible. Also, it's, it's basically cutting all ties. Like, if you do this, it cuts all ties. You, you know, Ahithophel's counsel, in his mind, he, he's kind of like a campaign manager. He's like, if you do this, then you're, you're showing your people, hey, no, I am the king now. You're, you're kind of showing them who's strong, who's bad. But this first suggestion is bold and brazen statement to affirm Absalom's power. And that's ultimately what's happened here. Yes, it's bold. Yes, it definitely is bold, but it's also something he probably can't really walk back from. He can't walk himself back after, after doing this act. And it's also a public statement that Absalom truly rejects his father. Not, not enough was it to just call him friend, even though he's his father. It, it needed more to be said that, hey, I'm done. I'm cutting all ties off with my own dad, with David, King David. I'm cutting all ties. I'm rejecting him 
truly, and from here on out, this, this is, I'm planting my foot in the ground. This is what's happening. This is how I'm going to do it. Not only was it an act of immorality, but it's also an act of treason. And, 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 and uh, in the ancient, in, with the ancient kings, like if you go sleep with, you know, another, another man's wife, uh, let alone your father's wife, like it's, it's treason. It's, it's bad news. And we see this actually, if we go back to Leviticus 2011, it says, if there is a man who lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood guiltness is upon them. Like right there, boom. And like, it's pretty clear what's going to happen. They should be put to death, ultimately. David, we see that he goes on and he goes and sleeps, lays with all the concubines. He lays with all David's concubines. Not that David should have had more than one wife anyways. That was an issue in itself. So don't get me wrong. David had his own sins in this whole mixture. David isn't innocent. But here, it's, it, I mean, we go back to Leviticus. It shows us like this is what is due for them. And why was Ahithophel's, the question kind of came up, why was Ahithophel's suggestion, why was his counsel so, so, so crazy, so just like wild to do? Like why go so big, so bold right off the bat? And I think it's because Ahithophel would be revealed and rejected as a traitor. Ahithophel, now we have to remember, Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather. Bathsheba was the woman that David had slept with. So Ahithophel kind of, he left, he went with Absalom. We learned that a couple chapters ago. And he, he took Absalom's side, and I think it was because of some, some bitterness that had built up in his heart. And, and he was trying to position himself ultimately, and who, who's going to be the successful king here? So, so he jumps to Absalom's side, and he gives, you know, helps, helps him. And Ahithophel's seen as the wisest counsel. Like, don't, he's not just some nobody. He is somebody who, who David and now Absalom had looked to for the wisest counsel. I mean, the chief counsel right here is at work trying to scheme his way to make sure that nobody, there's no chance for David and Absalom to ever come back together. Because if they come back together and they, and they try to repair their relationship, ultimately what's going to happen? They're going to realize Ahithophel is a traitor. So he's got to do something crazy so that can never happen. He's really just trying to protect himself. He's being selfish in his motives. But also, this is a political move. He's saying, I am the law, and I do as I please with my power. That's, that's really what, what his counsel is for Absalom to do. He's, he's, like I said, he's, he's planting his flag. He's saying, this is it. It's my kingdom now. I'm done with my father. And we, I want to take us back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, because this is already proph- prophesied, ultimately. Says, thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. This is his son, Absalom. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly, David and Bathsheba, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Out in the open, God's saying, Lord's saying, hey, you may have tried to hide this, I'm gonna bring it all to light, and these are the consequences for your sin. And we're seeing it play out right now before our eyes. This is really cool because this all happened. We're reading it like, guys, they, they wrote this as things were happening. Like it's, it, it, it's in order. So it's really cool to be able to see this and be like, oh, like Lord answered on his, on, on, you know, his words right here. And David's sin has brought up, brought upon him these consequences. It's his own sins that brought this up because this is what was said after David and Bathsheba. 
This is something that I pulled from this is that repentance does not negate earthly consequences. Yes, we are called to repent. But it doesn't mean once we repent that we'll have no earthly consequence at all. Like there are consequences for our actions. There are consequences for our sin. And we have to recognize, yes, we should still repent. But that doesn't mean that we won't have any earthly consequences in this at all. So we go on, we continue on in verse uh, 22. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Just like, just like his prophecy, just like what the Lord said in chapter 12, said, I'm going to do it under the sun and over all Israel. Everybody's going to see. So they put a tent right on the top, and they said, all right, everybody can see now. Kind of weird if you ask me, I'm not going to lie. But they did it, and they, they had their own way of doing things. But ultimately, what this shows is, is that the power of bitterness is greater than Ahithophel could ever handle. It was, it was far greater than he could handle because this bitterness drove him to make this counsel so that Absalom would go do this. But what's happening isn't good, not just because he's, you know, he, he's coming between family, not, not in that regard, but what's happening here is women are being abused, Absalom is grievously sinning, and Israel suffers greatly because of this. And I don't think Ahithophel really thought it through. He was looking from his own selfish motives. How does this help me? How does this serve me? But what ultimately is happening is that all these people are being injured in the process. They're being affected in the process. Because show that the decisions we make don't always just affect us. Most of the time, they affect everybody around us. A lot of the time, they do. Especially those closest to us. We come to... Verse 23, where it says, The advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one acquired of the word of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel regarded by both David and Absalom. This is what I was mentioning earlier, that he is, he is the, the greatest of greats when it comes to counsel. And it, they, compare it almost to, they compare it almost to God. Like, this is the word of God comparing it to God. I'm not saying that. Like, it's saying as if one acquired of the word of God. Like, it is right there under the word of the Lord. But because his own wise counsel, yes, he is the, the, the best of the best. This is his greatest quality. But because of his bitterness, it has the ability to turn our best qualities sour. So we have to recognize if there's any bitterness in our heart, are we dealing with it? Are we letting it grow? Because if we, if we don't deal with our own sin, if we don't deal with our own bitterness, then we are going to use, the enemy's going to try to use our best qualities and turn them sour and, and do a lot of damage and do a lot of harm. That's exactly what's playing out right here. And Ahithophel's counsel is foolish and destructive. That's what happens. That, that's, that's what this played out. It's foolish and destructive. Now, it was an answered prayer because David did pray. He said, Hushai, go back. And then he prayed. He said, God, help or uh, make Ahithophel's counsel foolish. And we've seen that. And here it is. It's foolish and it's destructive. That's exactly what's happening here. So God, yes, God answered the prayer right here for David. But it, it comes to, for me to ask this question, and I want to ask it for, for all of you this morning. Did Absalom violate the royal harem because of Ahithophel's counsel and his own desire for power, or because God ordained it? The answer is yes. They, they both. It's both and. Yes, these things happen, but it was because God ordained it. 
Yes, this had happened, but God ordained it. He had a plan all along. So these are the things that may have had to take place, but God has a plan all along and he ordained it. And the whole Bible, we can go through the whole Bible and see that it is filled with this same tension. The question of, did this happen or is it because of this? Did this happen or is it because God ordained it? And I want to take us through some. The, the first I want to bring us to is Esau. Did Esau sell his birthright to the younger Jacob because the older brother was hungry and ungrateful or because God ordained it? Did Joseph end up a slave in Egypt because of his brother's jealousy and cruelty or because God ordained it? Did Pharaoh harden his heart because he was stubborn, cruel, and proud or because God hardened his heart because God ordained it? Did Joseph go to Bethlehem with a very pregnant Mary because Caesar wanted to levy taxes and boast in the size of his empire or because God ordained it? What do we see here? All through scripture, all through text, there are more stories just like this that they can look at and they can say, this is a terrible situation, but God has ordained it. So we can look at our own situations in our own life and see this, all these terrible things, all these terrible things have happened, all these things that I had to walk through, but God ordained it because he had a purpose all along, we just didn't see it. And that should give us hope today. That should give us hope in his faithfulness because we have a wonderful counselor who gets all the glory as his purposes are worked out. His purposes will always work out and he will always, should always get 100% of the glory. It is nothing in our own power and our own strength for us to receive any counsel, to, 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 for us to receive any glory. I want to take this to Proverbs 19, 21. It says, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Again, in Proverbs 16, it says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And lastly, Ephesians 1.11 says, also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Guys, this is a reminder for us today that no matter what we're walking through, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter the struggles or, 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 or the, the, the battles that we face in our life, physical, mental, emotional, whatever, you name it, they may be there and it may be hard, but his word will stand and his counsel will stand. It'll be in his will. And he may have right in the season you're in right now that you really don't want to be walking in, he may have exactly ordained it because he has a plan and a purpose and he's a faithful king and he's a faithful God that we serve. See, God's judgment against Absalom will be carried out through Hushai. At the same time, David will be delivered. Judgment will come and we'll get to that. And I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but David will be delivered. Ultimately is where we're going to get at. And it reminds me of, I got two more questions that I want to ask you this. Was Jesus handed over because Judas was disillusioned, disloyal, and greedy? Or because God ordained it? 
Was Jesus crucified because the Jewish leaders were bitter and envious? Because Pilate chose to keep the peace? Or because God ordained it? Yes, both and. These things had to take place for, for God, what he has ordained to take place. Acts 2 says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. God knew all along. Jesus knew what he had to do as well. Nobody else really did. I mean, they didn't understand. But he knew. Jesus knew what he had to do. Because of our sin that put him on the cross. Because the blood had to pour out. The death had to come for the resurrection to come. And if that never took place, we wouldn't have the freedom that we have today. We want to have the victory over sin and death that we have today. If you belong to God through faith in Jesus, then you are part of the very plan that God ordained. And I want you to remember one other thing. That the death of Jesus by which you live was no accident. Therefore, that means that the life you have in Christ is no accident. It is, it is such peace to know that this is the truth that we, that we can live by. His death was no accident, and because of his death, we have life. And that life is no accident. And maybe you're here today, and you say, Ross, what are you talking about? What is this life that you are talking about? What does it mean to know Jesus? Well, I want to make one thing clear. It's not about religion. It's not about crossing all the boxes, checking things off the, the list. No, it's about a relationship. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship. But Pastor Ross, I, I, I went to the club and, and did this last night and you know had premarital sex. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Pastor Ross, I, I, I've been divorced three times and, and now I'm remarried again. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Pastor Ross, I, I have addiction to, to this drug and, and, and alcohol and I've allowed it to control my life. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Ultimately, we have to recognize that you don't have to have it all figured out to come to church. You don't have to have it all figured to come to Jesus. What you need to know is that he loves you and wants a relationship with you no matter where you're at in your season right now, no matter where you're at in life, no matter your struggles, no matter your doubts, no matter the shame that the enemy tries to hold over your head, Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. Come to him, come to the altar, come to his feet, lay yourself down and call on him as Lord and Savior of your life. That is what you have to do. You don't have to figure it out. Just come to him. It's nothing that myself or any other pastor that stands on the stage can do to change your life. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that will change your heart. And I want you to know that. So if you're here today, I want to give this opportunity to you. Our prayer team is going to come forward. Everybody else, if you will, just bow your head, close your eyes. 
I'm going to give an opportunity for you this morning. If that is you, if anything like that was on your heart, the Lord convicted you of, I want you to give you opportunity to give your life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you, you don't really know Jesus. But the only way to the Father is through him. So you have to know Jesus. And we want you to know Jesus. And we're going to walk with you as you learn and grow in your wisdom and knowledge of Jesus. But he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. So if that is you today and you want to give your life to the Lord, if that's you and you want to take that step for the first time, or maybe you're here and you realize, I never... I thought I did, but I never, I never really knew it like this. Well, this is for you too. On count of three, I just want you to lift your head and open your eyes. I just, I'm not going to embarrass you, nothing like that. We're going to celebrate because the heavens rejoice. We're going to celebrate, but I want to give this opportunity to you on the count of three. One, two, three. no shame. This is worth rejoicing over. Hallelujah. See those eyes. See those eyes. Praise the Lord. Lord God, I pray over all the hearts. I pray over all the souls, Lord, in this house this morning, Jesus, that you will get the glory. Lord, as you come to them, as you leave the 99 for the one, as you come and embrace them with your, with your loving arms, Lord, I pray that they and they alone, Lord, will experience your presence this morning, Jesus. Manifest your presence in your house this morning. Lord, I pray as they lay their life down, as they carry their cross, pick up their cross, Lord, to die to themselves so that you will get the glory. I pray, Lord God, this morning, for those who made that decision and their heart. I pray, Lord, that they recognize they are a new creation. They are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And they have a freedom. They have a victory because of your sacrifice, because of your blood, because of the life that was laid down and rose again three days later. That is rejoice. That we rejoice in, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we go into this song, I pray, Lord, that these altars will fill, Lord God, with your children seeking more of you, longing for more of you and your hearts and a relationship with you, God, that will continue to expand, Father, upon knowledge of your word and your heart, Father God. Our prayer team's up here. Anytime during this worship song, uh, whatever it is you're walking through, if something touched your heart today, come forward. If something you came in here walking with and you're battling, come forward. If there's somebody you want to stand in the gap for, a lost soul, a lost family member, coworker, whatever it is, come forward. Or if you just want to spend time with the Lord and lay here at the altar, kneel at the altar, whatever it is, come forward. This is our time we get to spend with the Lord. 
as, as, as a family. And I just pray every single week that our hearts will continue to advance the gospel and build the kingdom and bless the world. I say it every week and I mean it because that's our job. Church is a one-time on Sunday event, sometimes on Wednesday when we have First Wednesday going on. And it's our job to empower you, to equip you with all knowledge you need to go out these four walls and share the good news of the gospel and what he has done in your life. Can we do that this week as we sitting back thinking of all the things we're grateful for with our family and our friends? Maybe you're sitting at the family table and you say, I don't really want to start an argument. Who cares? I know that's not very gracious, but I'm serious. Like, God said that he will come and he will divide families. But it is our job to speak the truth. In love, yes. Speak it in love. Have grace. But share just what he's doing in your life. Share all the things he has already done and all the things he's doing right now. Let's, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's come to these altars and pray and worship.